Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hi there. This is Kat, and I support Gen X Grown Up. Whether I'm reminiscing right along with them or learning something new, Gen X Grown Up always dishes out fresh, thoughtful, and creative perspectives. You can support their efforts too. Just go to genxgrownup.com slash Patreon. You won't regret it. Gen X Grown Up is a YouTube channel website and audio podcast you're listening to right now. All made for and by people who love exploring media, games, tech, and toys of yesterday and today through the eyes of Gen Xers who refuse to grow up. Your dinner cannot just be french fries. Basically, life sucks as a grown up. Welcome back, Gen X Grown Up podcast listener to this episode 157 of the Gen X Grown Up podcast. I'm John, and joining me, as always, of course, is Mo. Hey, man. Hey, how's it going, John? Wouldn't be a show without George. How's it going? Hey, how's it going, guys? In this episode, we check out not one but two franchises getting a new lease on life, <laughs> compare and contrast options for live stream multicasting, and play a creepy new take on the very <laughs> first survival horror game. All that and so much more is coming your way in this episode. First, though, it's time for some fourth listener email. Look, there's three of us. If we listen, that's three. That's the best we could ever hope for. But if anyone else does, you are our fourth <laughs> listener. And this time around, our fourth listener is Tom W., who listened to our show and commented over on Facebook. I think it was, uh, it was a comment or an instant message. Either way, Tom reached out to us. Nice. And this is what he had to say. I just heard your episode about 70s and 80s decor and how you mentioned <laughs> a fear of microwave ovens people had back then. Yeah. I still remember one of the original Amana microwaves because a friend of mine dad was able to afford one when they first hit the market. Well, they were expensive. Yeah, right. If you open the door while it was running, it didn't shut off like they do today. It just kept running. <laughs> that, that sounds terribly dangerous. <laughs> Could be a problem there. Tom says, I remember heating up a slice of bologna or something in there, opened it to check, and felt a little tingle on my hand like a slight burn. <laughs> mm. So, like, you reach in. Is it warm? Yeah, it is. And also, I can see my bones. Right? <laughs> Terrible things happen. Poking your hand in the microwave. Uh <laughs> Also, his mom got mad at us because we would do little experiments with it. Did you know that if you microwaved, <laughs> right? Exactly. I'm already laughing. Did you know that if you microwaved a pencil, the tip would catch fire? <laughs> I know because we did the research. <laughs> I guess it makes sense. It's graphite. Yeah. It's a flammable material and carbon. Oh, the, so the pencil tip, graphite, right? Yeah. I was thinking the eraser tip because the metal around it would spark. Like the metal in the pencil? I could see that as well. Oh, yeah. yeah. There's yeah. nothing safe about a pencil in the microwave, but maybe the wood, I guess. But <laughs> Flammable. There you go. <laughs> okay. Right. Once it catches fire, you now have something to feed the fire. What do you need? You need you need oxygen, you need heat, and you need fuel, right? So you got yeah. everything available <laughs> when you microwave a pencil. I mean, 
if you're ever out in the woods and you need to start a fire, just hook up your microwave and apparently throw a pencil, <laughs> a pencil in there. Throw, throw a pencil, pencil in there. there. Perfect. Right. It's so much simpler than Flint. Right. I guess for people listening, don't try this at home. <laughs> right. Genetics Roundup does not endorse microwave pencils. Please do not try this at home. That's right. Tom wraps it up saying, how we survive childhood scientific curiosity is beyond me. Sincerely, Tom. <laughs> nice. I yeah, I don't know how we survived either. What with you know George doing gladi- gladiatorial lunchbox fights and <laughs> rock fights. I mean, that wasn't really scientific research though. That was more like well, sports. In hindsight, you did learn things though. So I mean, I mean, I don't know that I remember any of them though. After too many shots to the head, <laughs> thanks but... to the head wound. <laughs> Tom, thank you for uh, writing in, contacting us via Facebook. Uh, we love every time one of our listeners reaches out and tells us what they think about an episode or what memories it brought back up for you. Listener, if you would like your email featured here on the show, it is drop dead easy. You can contact us on Facebook like Tom did or fire off an email to podcast at genxgrownup.com. Read every single one and most of them, like Tom's, eventually make the show. All right. With that good business behind us, it's time to jump into the body of episode 157. Right after this. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. You're listening to Gen X Grown Up. But if you have a friend who's not yet listening, why not? Tell them about us. They'll thank you later. At least nine out of ten people have it. Many of them don't even know it. But it can be controlled. It's plaque. And Listerine antiseptic fights it. Clinical tests prove Listerine, in addition to regular brushing, reduces plaque by up to 50% over brushing alone for better oral hygiene. Listerine kills the germs that cause bad breath and kills the germs that cause plaque. Now you know. Use it. Let's get the ball rolling, talking about media that we have been checking out. Now, of course, this could be music or comics or books or film or television or whatever you have been enjoying. And uh, Mo, why don't we start with you? What have you been checking out? Sure. Well, like you alluded to in the teaser that, you know, we have a franchise that's now back again, which is Frasier. Uh Aha, right. They actually brought back brand new episodes of Frasier. Same, well, I guess Kelsey Grammer, I mean, main cast still there. And I watched it and I don't know. Ooh, it, okay. it, it was very much an 80s sitcom show, and I don't know if it's a good thing, to be honest. Mm. The humor was very kind of superficial, obvious. Like, I mean, okay. in a lot of 80s shows, they were like that. Like, yeah. oh, if there's a pie, you know someone's face is going to fall. You know I mean? That kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. Slapstick, <laughs> gag humor kind of stuff. Yeah. Pretty predictable. It was interesting. I mean, I watched the first two so far. I'll probably keep watching it, but I don't know if it's really grabbed me yet. Mm. Mm. So what's different about this show? I know Kelsey Grammer is in it. I know I saw that his brother Niles is not. And of course, the gentleman that played his dad passed away. And Yes. And I think there's something new playing his son now, who we saw as a child in the series. So what's yeah. the, is there a new premise or is he just doing the same thing uh, in a he's, new town? He's in Boston now. Okay. He's back to mm-hmm. Boston because his son moved there okay. and he's living there now and he's going to work at Harvard as a professor. He's going to teach classes. Uh-huh. Oh, so not doing a radio therapy not thing. Doing, okay. But, he's, but he had a TV show apparently in the interim. So he's not like super oh. famous. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's kind of interesting because I remember watching it here and there. My parents mm-hmm. liked it. I wasn't a super huge fan of Frasier. But what I find interesting about this 
rebrand or reimagining or continuation, whatever they're going to call it this week. They are pushing this show heavily in mm-hmm. the sports world. I have seen really? Really? probably 40 different Frasier commercials in college football, professional wow. football. I've seen it in all different kinds of sports environments. I even just the other day saw one on a World Series of Poker ad. I was like, <laughs> what in the hell does Frasier have to do with poker? But there you go. They're really pushing this thing hard. So they're definitely trying to grab an audience for it. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I, I remember the, I used to watch Frasier and I always thought it was good because the humor I thought was really smart. You know, it had like, mm, just like, agree. you know, yeah. great lines in it. Um, like her, their uh, housekeeper her, or her, his dad's helper or whatever. She was like mm-hmm. psychic. And he's explaining to somebody, he's like, oh yeah, she's psychic. We decided to find that charming. You know, <laughs> it was just like lines like that. And I was like, <laughs> you know, I was like, you know, just great we lines like that, which I, I didn't, I don't know. I'm not getting that so far. Hmm, that's too bad. I don't watch any of it yet, but I've So do you feel like they just phoned this in to cash grab? No, or? I think they're trying. I just think maybe the writing isn't maybe as where it needs to be. Mm. Like maybe it needs a little bit better writing on it. And like you see what they're doing because now his son is the blue collar person. You know, his right. son's a fireman. Oh, okay. You know, as opposed to his dad. So that's the so tension. Like, like his dad was before. Uh, yeah, I right. see. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, so they can get that similar kind of tension again, I guess, that they had before. So I'm going to keep watching mm. just because, you know, I was such a fan of the original show and I want this to succeed. So I'll probably keep watching it. But okay. I don't know if I go as far as to say I would recommend it yet. Wow. All right. Well. Yeah. John, you probably have something that is the polar opposite of Frasier <laughs> if you're going to pick something in media. <laughs> well, maybe. I'd mentioned that we had a couple of like old franchises that got new life a little mm-hmm. bit. And so Frasier is a new series. Uh, but I was looking forward to this. It's a new film based on, based on a Stephen <laughs> King novel, Pet Cemetery. So, of course, mm-hmm. we all remember the original Pet Cemetery film that, uh, yeah. is, man, there's some crazy stuff that happens with a scalpel in that that I don't want to think about. Uh, oh, yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. Right? Oh, ah. <laughs> hurts my ankles just thinking about it. Uh, the premise of this film, so the film now is a new one that just came out a few weeks ago called Pet Cemetery Bloodlines. And the premise is, you remember, of course, we all remember the legendary National treasure Fred Gwynn, rest yes. in peace, played uh, Jed Crandall, I think, in the original. He was the old man that lived across the street. Mm-hmm. Right. He was the one, you know, sometimes dead is better, right? He's the old guy. The ground's gone sour. <laughs> ground's gone sour. Exactly. <laughs> All that Northeastern yeah, that dialect. Was right when he was having like that little film resurgence because he did this he and my cousin Vinny right because about of Vinny, the same time. Yeah. Right. I think Vinny yeah. was his last film, actually. Yeah. Oh, what a treasure. Anyway, mm. uh, I'm not going to lament Fred Gwynn. We love him. But if you'll remember in the film, he tells a story to the dad when the dad is considering going to bury Gage in the pet cemetery. Right. Mm-hmm. He tells this cautionary tale about, well, back after the war, you know, this mm-hmm. boy came back from the war and these things happened, right? And he tells right. this brief story about what happened and the boy came back to life, but he wasn't right. And it's a little bit that takes maybe three minutes in the film, and that's it. This film, Pet Cemetery Bloodlines, is a prequel that takes that story he told as a full film. Oh, oh so okay. now we see Jed Crandall as a young man who is actually just about to leave town. He's getting the hell out of here. He's sick of it. It's a small town. It's garbage. <laughs> And things start to happen and he does some research and he's actually, as he's heading out of town with his girlfriend, bags in the trunk, there's a dog in the middle of the road who has come out of the pet cemetery, you know, and they stop to take the dog in. The dog bites the girlfriend. It sets off this series of events and they start doing research. And and make sure I don't say too much. This film's worth watching. I don't want to spoil anything. But he he learns about the history and maybe even the origin of the pet cemetery and that land and how it got cursed 
aged slash soured. There are even flashbacks to colonial times, like in the 1700s. Oh, okay. Ultimately, of course, we now know he doesn't leave town. He finds out that he has some responsibility from his family to stay in town and that it kind of ends leaving him to grow old to meet him later on in, uh, in the original Pet Cemetery. You say we kind of find out why the ground was soured in this film. Didn't we kind of already find that out in the original film, though? It was an Indian burial ground that had been disturbed by yep. settlers and pilgrims and everything. So they already told that story yes. in the first movie and in the book. I'm kind of confused why that's a revelation now. Uh, you're right. We get to see it happen. Okay. So they, they just show us on screen. We already knew it. They do. We get to see it. Like okay. We also knew the whole story of Bloodlines. We know what happened, but we get to see it on screen. We get to see it graphically like, oh, damn, that is bad news. No wonder the ground got sour. The way so. you were saying it, I thought you were saying like they were giving us some new information that maybe oh, no, no. contradicted Sorry. what was in the first film right. or story. It does not. Or, nope. Gotcha. Nope. Right. It, it adds new layers to it beyond like, you know, the through line. You don't know the texture of it. And now you get to find out who's responsible uh, okay. and what caused it. Yeah, that kind of cool stuff. So overall, I will say that Pet Cemetery Bloodline Though I don't think this is a leap to say it's better than the original Pet Cemetery that came out in the 80s. I don't think that was an amazing movie. I think it was a great mm. movie for nostalgia and one that I enjoy watching, but it wasn't the pinnacle of cinematic storytelling. Yeah. Lots of memorable stuff in it, mm -hmm. but this could easily be garbage just trying to cash in on, but it pays respect to the original. It expands upon the original. Uh, to your point, George, I make sure I clear clarify, it doesn't contradict the original. It expands on the backstory and shows you more of it. So especially if you like Pet Cemetery, if you like any horror at all, I think this is worth watching and it's worth seeking out. I think it's on Paramount Plus right now, so you can find it there. I expect it's going to be, you know, pay to watch it or something on Amazon and other places as well. But I would seek it out. I would say it's easily a three and a half tokener. I mean, it's oh, it's good. Okay. Maybe three okay. and three quarters. Halfway through, I'm like, damn, this is a serious movie. So it's definitely <laughs> worth your time. Okay. George, how about you? I'm very interested in hearing about the film that you mm -hmm. went to see because yeah, Mo and I haven't seen it yet. And it's kind of a big deal. Yeah, well, um, so make sure you bring your tent with you because you're going to be in that theater for quite a while. This is Killers <laughs> of the Flower Moon just released yep. uh, this year, just a week or so ago. Uh, this is Martin Scorsese's, I'm going to say triumphant return to the theater, but it's been a while for not him, everybody's going to say that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> the triumphant part, the triumphant part. It's a solid, solid film. It's, uh, you know, Martin Scorsese, but it stars Robert De Niro mm -hmm. and Leonardo DiCaprio. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to, you're going to have to give me a second here to summarize this because I went to the theater and, you know, you, you see like a, when the next movie is going to start and you're like, okay, they've got time when they're going to, between the cleanup of the next movie and everything, you're like, oh, this movie is about two and a half hour. No, this movie took up every single minute of the time that it had to the next film. So it okay. was all of three hours and 40 minutes. Wow. Mm. Mm -hmm. Every bit of it. I don't mean there was a lot of trailer time wasted or anything. There were trailers, but... This was full three hours and 40 minutes. Mm. So you guys remember he did that film a little while ago on one of the streaming services with Robert De Niro and Joe Pesci that went really long. And it was a, a mobster film mm -hmm. that he redid. Mm -hmm. And people lamented that thing for being too long and dry. I'm afraid that some of those same people will say the same thing about Killers of the Flower Moon, but they'll be completely wrong because they were focused on the length of the film and not the context of the story and the portrayal that the actors did in the film. It was truly 
an amazing feat. Three hours and 40 minutes. Not one time did I need to get up and go to the bathroom. Not one time did I feel tired. Not one time did I doze off and fall asleep. And I have sleep apnea. So that tends to happen to me sometimes (laughs) in a theater. There were probably... 15 people in the theater and mm-hmm. this was like at a very odd time that I went to go watch it what like I didn't expect to see three people in the theater mm-hmm. I was by far the youngest person in the theater which <laughs> was interesting but the story revolves around a true life happening happened mm-hmm. in a county in Oklahoma back in the 1800s or 1900s i can't remember the exact uh, years of the storyline but they're essentially there's these this group of indians who have been forced onto this reservation land in oklahoma that's thought to be worthless and then they discover oil on it and mm. the indians become the richest people per capita in the u.s at the time and <laughs> can't have that with rich yeah we can't becomes, have that certainly <laughs> Right. We know what's coming. With richness comes people who are there to take advantage of them mm-hmm, in mm-hmm. every way imaginable, including murder. And that's where the Killers of the Flower Moon comes into being, because mm. the people are considered children of the Flower Moon because of some stories that they tell at the very beginning. It's just a really powerful piece. The performances are mesmerizing. De Niro, mm-hmm. 80-something years old now, rolls oh, through it. this thing like a <laughs> champ. DiCaprio... I've heard some people, John, I think you told me one of the reviewers say it might be his best performance yet. I put this right up there with Wolf of Wall Street for me, which I think is his best performance. This is really, really close to that. Mm. The young lady, and God forgive me, I can't remember her name, who plays the main character that DiCaprio is married to. Mm -hmm. She, whoo, boy, like how she hasn't been a star before this, I'm completely shocked. It just blows my mind. Some of the stuff that's done is amazing. John, I told you, though, the thing that got me the most was the supporting characters. They Mm -hmm. all play their roles and they're written to play them exactly like a normal person would. When somebody gets caught for doing something toward the end, And they're like, oh, well, you ain't got nothing on me. And then the cops bring in the person who turned them in Mm -hmm. to say, aha, see, we've got this guy who just told on you. And they're like, oh, shit, I guess it's on me now. (laughs) It's not like they they get out of it or anything like like that. It's regular people. Yeah. Yeah. Well, crap. (laughs) I've heard it said, and I think this is used derogatorily. I've heard it say, oh, that's Oscar bait. Especially this time of year. Yeah, especially this time of year. I think what people mean by it is that's a film that was just made for the awards. And I think there's no such thing as that. I think it's uninformed people. There's a lot that goes on to making a movie. If it's just for awards, it's for the money is why you make a film. But mm. people have said that about this film being Oscar bait. Just like people say clickbait is a bad thing. It can mm-hmm. be good if it delivers, right? It sounds like what you're telling me is people who call this Oscar bait might not be too far off. There probably are some possible award-winning performances in it. And I've heard good stuff about the actors and you just mentioned them. But you're a staunch critic of things like pacing and cinematography and music mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And I wonder if, just ask you to briefly speak about those, whether you left them out because the performances are so important or whether or not you had a problem with them or they're also good. What do you think about that? No, I mean, I didn't have a problem with any of those types of things that I usually find with films. There's almost always something in the editing or the pacing or Mm -hmm. some form of the film that somebody drops on. I couldn't find anything that anybody dropped the ball on in this picture. The pacing was a beautiful ebb and flow, like a little bit up, a little bit down. It wasn't super peaks and valleys. Mm -hmm. It was just like a nice waveform that you might see (laughs) of an easy listening song. It was just up and down, (laughs) up and down. When you're talking about it being 
Oscar bait. It's not Oscar bait. This deserves the Oscar for best picture of the year. No question. Mm. You can put on anything else you want at this point. Independent films. I love them. And I think oftentimes they're overlooked. There's nothing that's going to compare to that in this cycle. This Mm. film is the Mm. Oscar winner. If it's not, then somebody got pissed off that Scorsese is going to win one. And (laughs) they decided to purposely vote it out. They're going to mess with him. You really love me. I would say that the woman who plays the main character that DiCaprio is married to, if she doesn't win best actress award, it Mm -hmm. will be a travesty. It's just a beautiful, beautiful picture. My only problem is I don't know if I can watch it again. I get that. I can understand that. It's heavy. Yeah. Yeah. So I listened to a review of the movie and they were talking about how like one, like you're right, because they said that it was based on a book that somebody wrote, Mm -hmm. except it was wrote from the perspective of the FBI agents that come into the town. Yeah. He says that's the wrong perspective. He says that it should Mm -hmm. be from the people. So he changed the whole thing around and all the costumes and everything were made by the Native Americans that were part of that tribe. Like here, he had them all make all the clothes and everything so yeah. it was all like authentic and he he was really trying to make it a an honest movie i guess he, he was making his best efforts at that it seems i would bet that a lot of the people in the film that were representative oh, yeah. of the indian people were from that particular nation of indian yeah. people yeah, he or a lot Americans. of locals for extras yeah uh, some of the stuff that some of the lines that some of those actors had from the native american side was just i was like god damn that sounds exactly like what i would expect a person mm-hmm. in that position to say mm-hmm. in that era of the world but it was just gut wrenching in some places and i'll say this you think you know who the good and bad guys are from the trailer trust mm-hmm. me you don't mm-hmm. okay wow when film does the things you're talking about, it's like, it's why I love film. Mm-hmm. Not every film does that. Almost every film does something in that checklist, but the stuff like you're, you're, you're running down the checklist and it sounds like every bullet point is in there. So yeah, I can't, I like, I was only like, Oh no, it's three and a half hours. And now it doesn't even matter to me now. Cause I'm like, do I want to sit in the theater that long? Whatever. I feel like this needs to be seen on the theater in on the big screen probably. So I, I feel like, mm. I mean, I saw it in one of those theaters. that's kind of the smaller New York mm. style Mo talking about theaters. Oh, uh, yeah. my Cineplex. Yeah. It wasn't their ginormous one because of the time that I went, but I will say that as much as I love this film and as much as I think this film deserves to be, you know, the Oscar winner for best film of the year, not mm. everybody's going to like this. The two, of you may not like this film. I completely mm-hmm. I bet am I will. accepting <laughs> that this film is not for everyone, especially mm-hmm. the younger people of the like my son's age and stuff. This film's going to be too hard to slog through. They're going to get bored. They're going to get tired. They're going to get distracted mm-hmm. because there are not the big action horror peaks and valleys that you're used to at coming out of Hollywood. This is here's the lives of these people from beginning to end over a long period of time, like probably a decade, I think is how this film mm-hmm. spans. And you just got to pay attention and keep up and it's worth it. If you can, those are human okay. stories. That's, that's what makes it worthwhile. Damn. Okay. I I've got to go check show times. Yeah. It's just, <laughs> I definitely have to see this one in the theater. Whew. That's heavy. All right. Thanks George. We get back. We'll get into some tech and toys. Stick around. 
If you listen to the end of any given Gen X Grown Up podcast episode, you know at the end we talk about we are very proud and happy to be a member of the Evergreen Podcast Network. So (laughs) we want to quickly introduce you to another cool show in our network. It's called Two Designers Walk Into a Bar. And while it sounds like the setup for a joke, it's actually (laughs) a really great podcast about history and pop culture. Yeah, uh, the two hosts, Todd Coates and Elliot Strunk, you can tell that these guys are good friends. The way they interact with each other, the Mm -hmm. way they talk to each Mm -hmm. other, it's a really good blend between like really highbrow lofty stuff and just really just sort of down to earth drinking buddy kind of talking (laughs) yep yeah you know it's fun because they they talk to influential people that they have as guests all the time they talk about products Mm -hmm. both guys being designers they talk about their work they kind of uncover stories of how the familiar became iconic so it's exactly it's kind of like yeah think behind the music right from vh1 mtv oh, yeah, kind yeah. of stuff but mm-hmm. for the stuff that we love instead of just music <laughs> you, you just caught our audience they all love behind yeah, the music really? so that's a perfect analogy <laughs> and, and for sure I mean, if you love anything at all dealing with design pop culture history any of that i, I think you're definitely going to like this show. Yeah, and just like our show, it is drop-dead easy to find. You can look anywhere you listen to podcasts on, you know, Apple, iTunes, Spotify, all those places where you get podcasts, or you can go right to their website at twodesignerswalkintoabar.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Be sure to subscribe to or follow Gen X Grown Up wherever you listen. And while you're there, rate and review the show, too. It helps more than you know. Skin is thickless, fat with flavor. Skin is skinny, that's the shape of. Skin is thickless, fat with flavor. See how skinny, taste how fat. Only one gum gives you nine slim sticklets instead of seven wide ones in a regular pack. New sticklets in natural spearmint or peppermint. Skinny sticklets, fat with flavor. See how skinny, taste how fat. All right, let's jump into tech and toys. Uh, Mm -hmm. George, why don't you kick us off this week? Uh, sure. Well, uh, you guys know, and our hopefully our podcast audience out there is aware that I've been doing a pretty regular live stream now mm-hmm. for about four or five weeks or so mm-hmm. on Tuesday yeah. nights playing video games. We've talked about it on the podcast before, and it's getting a good little audience. And I want nice. to talk a little bit about the tool that I use, which is mm-hmm. Streamlabs OBS or Slobs as it's colloquial mm-hmm. known or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's good. It makes things simple, but you have to pay for the service that allows you to do multi-streaming which is their ultra brand so it's streamlabs ultra and it costs us 19 dollars a month right now and so when i'm doing these live streams i have to try and make sure that at least within the month i make us at least 20 dollars so that (laughs) we don't have to yeah so that we don't have to pay for it you know out of pocket but there's another service that we used to use that john pioneered with us a long time Mm -hmm. ago called Mm restream.io 
Yep. And I know that there have been comparisons on stuff before, and this is more of just a discussion. I know the Streamlabs OBS Ultra stuff fairly well because I've been using it quite often lately. John used to use Restream.io quite often. Yeah. And I thought it would just be interesting to talk a little bit about it because there are people in our listening audience who often ask us advice over in our Discord server, genxgrownup.com slash Discord. Mm-hmm. And nice. <laughs> they want to know what's the best tool to use if I want to stream my game or or record a video for YouTube or so whatever. Before you, so uh, you get going, maybe you should explain what slobs and stuff, what they do for you. Sure. That's a that's a good point. I would say that, first of all, they, they give you, slobs particularly gives you a tool that allows you to format what your live stream on whichever right. platform you want to mm-hmm. use is going to look like. Okay. It's basically like helps you build the front end of your live stream, even if you're only doing it on one device. Like if you're only streaming to YouTube or if you're only streaming to Twitch or Kick or Facebook Live or whatever. It allows you to put together, like you can make your camera one size in one corner. You can make your video game or the thing you're trying to stream bigger in another corner. You can have chat. There's all these little widgets that you can add that can give you these little bells and whistles, like alerts when things happen. Like if somebody subscribes or donates money to you during the live stream, that's kind of what slobs does. Restreamio basically is just a way to take OBS, which is the free version of Streamlabs OBS and allows you to send it out to multiple services at the same time without having to figure out how to do it manually mm-hmm. inside of OBS. Yeah, it's it. like a software splitter, like you know, like a headphone splitter. Yeah. Like you, one person <laughs> listened, you just you stream to Restreamio, and then it will rebroadcast it out to other places. That mm-hmm. I, I guess that's a that's the easiest way I can think to describe it. Yeah. Now the interesting thing, like I talked about before, Streamlabs Ultra, which is the one that allows you to stream out to multiple sources, nineteen dollars. It also gives you a whole bunch of other things. These cool themes and overlays that I've been using. It gives you access to some more of these widgets and things like a Mm -hmm. chat box that combines chat from different services. That's all good and well, but there's problems. Some of the stuff doesn't work right as it should out of the box. If I'm paying $19, shit should just work when I add it to (laughs) the thing. Mm -hmm. I shouldn't have to go Mm -hmm. to tech support every 10 minutes and wait for two days for an answer, which their support is very, very slow. I'll give you that. Restreamio, John, we were talking about it a little bit before we started podcast. They do mm-hmm. still have a free tier that allows you to stream to two services at the oh, same okay. time. That's something. Yeah. You want to go above that. Their next tier up is $16 a month that allows you to go to five different platforms at the same time. Mm-hmm. One of the things, though, that I thought for some reason somebody had told me, I don't remember who, that was not available in Restreamio, but I see here, apparently it is, is that mm-hmm. cross-platform chat box. Ah, that, that didn't exist back when we used it years ago. So okay. th- they've added that to keep up, I'm sure. So that that was yeah. a problem we had when we multi-streamed, yeah. I don't know how it works. We obviously haven't gone back to it <laughs> because we mm-hmm. used it years ago, but then they have other tiers. This is the thing that scares me a little bit. Their tiers go from zero per month, by the way, these are all per mm-hmm. month, to $240. $49 per month. What? A month? Oh, oh that's not the first tier. That, that is the top tier. What could they possibly offer for $250 yeah, a really? month? Well, here you go, ladies and gentlemen. 20 channel multi-streaming. I didn't even know there were 20 things you could stream to. Who would stream that much? Oh my God. I don't know. They'll sell that many of those, I imagine. 
crazy 20 hour stream recordings i guess they'll store your recordings on their server oh, 30 still. days of storage 10 concurrent <laughs> events like you can be streaming to 10 different things like maybe you got a big company and you're doing multiple that's, live that's streams like 10 times things. 20 yeah well yeah, say, yeah. if you have 20 places to stream to and you want to do it 10 people at a time you probably got 250 bucks to spare so. <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> all that to say People ask us all the time, how do I do live streams? Truth of the matter is, it's pretty straightforward. Watch a YouTube video or two, download OBS or Streamlabs OBS, whichever mm -hmm. one you yep. prefer. Use their bases, get your feet wet a little bit, try some things, make some mistakes, hmm. and then figure out which one of the things you want to go in whatever direction. It's probably okay, once you get used to it, to pay sub $20 a month. Yeah. Now, I think what is the biggest testament here, and George, you can call bullshit on me if I say anything wrong here, but I would say about a year ago, you were a little intimidated by OBS, the concept mm -hmm. of having to edit it and drag things around and make scenes and format audio and things like that. But now in probably over the last two months or so, three months, you've gotten very competent and very comfortable with it. Is that fair? I'll say comfortable. I'm not going to okay. say competent. But okay. Well, <laughs> well, you fake it real well then. I'm going to give you yeah. the competence because I see you using it. I see you starting yeah. to understand the pieces. It, Streamlabs has made it. So basically OBS is open source. Streamlabs mm -hmm. took and forked it and made their own version that has all the hooks right. for their custom features. And they've made it much easier to do things. Like you log in through Streamlabs OBS and you don't have to go digging up stream keys and stuff. They're like, they're in the dropdown because they have your credentials. It makes sure. it much easier to do, especially if you're not comfortable with understanding how all the internets work. You know, you mm -hmm. just log in, yeah. give it permission and it'll kind of do it for you within reason. Absolutely. You know, so, yeah. 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 It's, I'm impressed with it's the stuff a very you're doing. powerful tool. As long as you're willing to spend a moderate amount of time <laughs> to figure yep. it out. Uh, Restreamio, it's just, like you said, it's just the splitter. That's all yeah. it is. Mm -hmm. Plus it looks like it's got some other features because it looks like, Oh, Streamlabs OBS is getting a huge market share and making money. We need to figure out Get our way to monetize our thing. So I think that's mm -hmm. where they went. We see that all the time with these platforms, but it's worth it, I think, if you're going to oh, continue yeah. to do it and you want to try and grow, because if you're not using it, everybody else is, and you're going to look like you're behind. <laughs> that's, that's a valid point. So there you go. Yeah. All right, John, why don't you talk about your tech or toy? Oh, yeah. uh, it it well, can be okay. either. Yeah. <laughs> well, it is. So game controllers. Uh, I'm mm -hmm. very happy with and really enjoy uh, my Xbox Pro Elite 2 controller. I've talked about it here on the show. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's the last well, Xbox One Elite, whatever it is. But it's it's the one, you know, you can configure and has the paddles on the back and the different D-pads you can put on it. It's a wonderful joystick. A joystick is a wrong term. A game controller. It has every multiple joysticks. Right. And it runs, but it's like 200 bucks, 250 or something new. I didn't pay that for it. I got secondhand, but it, it's a fantastic controller. And I've always considered that to kind of be, I know there are more expensive ones from big name, you know, Alienware kind of people, but that's kind of like the litmus test for me is like, how good is it compared to that? Because that's the one that like I use day standard. in and day out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it's a moderate one. It's not a thousand dollars. You know, I'm sure pro gamers have these, you know, hair trigger things, but for you know, a couple hundred bucks, it's amazing. And I always consider like everything else, especially third party controllers that aren't made by Microsoft or made by Nintendo. I consider those to be yeah, that's nice for your little brother to play with. That's nice for when George comes over. Here's the crappy controller, you know, a secondary or tertiary that's controller. How he wins. That's how he wins. <laughs> yep. But it's not like your go-to. Well, lately, 
as I've been playing with uh, like this new GameStation Pro that my arcade put out, and I, I want to try like I found out it's compatible with X input. So I don't really want to talk about that so much. But in the course of doing that, I've been ordering these other controllers, these third party controllers looking for solutions. Okay. And mm-hmm. what I've discovered is like I always knew about this company called 8-Bit Doe. And mm-hmm. it's uh, so it's they named themselves to, to remember they named themselves to be reminiscent of Nintendo because they were making initially controllers that looked like NES right. controllers, but were wireless. Okay. And so it became 8-Bit Doe instead of Nintendo. Anyway, you've seen the name. And the ones I have are fine. You know, I have uh, uh, great for audio podcast. I have this little one that's like a Super <laughs> Nintendo controller. It's great. I really like that one. But I started checking out these ones that are like Xbox One controllers. And if the last time you looked at an 8-bit Doe controller was, you know, just to do some emulation or to play your NES games properly, look again. The controllers they're putting out now, now not that weight is a big deal, but the first impression you get from a controller as you pick it up, does it feel like it's full of air or does it feel like it's full of tech? And these things almost feel too heavy. Like they feel like that elite control. Like what's really? going on in here? This thing is beefy. Okay. They feel substantial. They're not rickety. Like you think of it, a crappy controller, like you, you squish it, it cracks and creaks, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. These are like Apple could be making these. These are precision crafted wow. devices. They're heavy. They're strong. And they have features that you don't have anywhere else. Like many of them have a little star button. And depending on the controller, the star button can be a real-time remap. Like you hold down the A and B button and tap the star and now B is A and A is B. Or you know, hold down the two oh. triggers and now left trigger, right trigger, or flip. You can do anything you want with them. They have <laughs> programmable uh, rumble speeds and things like that. Hook it up to an app and you can configure it within the app and do all kinds of stuff. Now, I don't have a particular one that I want to recommend necessarily because I pulled several of them. But Mo, I'm going to give you a link to what is an amazing one that I would consider on par with the Xbox One Elite 2 controller. Really? This is called okay. the 8-Bit Doe Ultimate Bluetooth Controller and Charging Dock. Uh, it's actually con- compatible with Switch, Windows, Steam Deck, pretty much whatever, I would guess. Mm-hmm. 60 bucks. Oh, wow. A, a, a baseline a Xbox One controller is $59.99 all day long. Mm-hmm. This is, I would say this is three quarters of the way to that Elite controller now. And it's remarkably high value and high quality for what I would never have thought a third party would end up being controllers this good, but they're worth taking a look at if you're looking for upgrade your controller to something really nice. Hmm. Now, to be fair, I was looking at it because I was mm-hmm. like, oh, let me take a look. So it's $69.99, so $70, but it's on oh, it's sale. 70. And it oh, okay. looks like it's probably ostensibly so. I have a tool <laughs> called VET that somebody had recommended on one of the other YouTube videos to do. And you click the button and it tells you a whole bunch of stats about the Amazon product. So, mm. you know, is it a good time to buy? Is the brand trustworthy? And do people like it? They analyze all the reviews of the product. Okay. Mm-hmm. It got green checks across the board. So that part is nice. surprise me a lick. <laughs> The thing that gets me the most about this, I like my Xbox Elite controller. I got mm-hmm. mine a couple of years after you got yours, John, because I was envious of the one that you have. Of course, <laughs> yeah, it happens a lot. And I like it, but the charge case is the carrying case. And it's a little mm-hmm. awkward the way it sits on my desk because it's a lay flat case. Uh, so the controller is laying flat instead of standing up. This 8-bit dough, it's standing up on a little charge stand. Mm-hmm. Included. Comes with it. Yeah. <laughs> that's really nice. You don't have to buy it extra or anything like that. It no. looks like it probably got some kind of USB tether to the charge base probably. But, I mean, shit, that's really nice. <laughs> I like that. Especially the price. They're, 
Yeah. And they yeah. have a wide range of things. Like I so said, if you click on the link and they'll say here are lots of other 8-bit dough things, they have things that look like a Sega Genesis controller, but it's actually just a wireless, you know, Windows X input controller. Mm-hmm. They have things that look like a Super Nintendo controller, but it's just that. But I wouldn't use those for my daily driver. But this one that I'm linking you to, I could, if my Xbox Elite Pro controller broke tomorrow, this, this is probably the direction I would go. This or something like it. it it's nice. just that good. It's surprising. Wow. Yeah. So worth checking out. And Mo, I will, of course, throw you that link. You'll put it on yeah, the show absolutely. notes and listeners can click. And if they decide to buy it, we'll get three cents. Yay us. So. All right. <laughs> <laughs> so Mo, how about you? What have you been checking out in tech? All right. So this is going to be a kind of a... I hate the fact that this kind of app exists, but it's oh. interesting. It's called Safer <laughs> okay. Watch. Now, you heard about the okay. stuff that happened up in Maine with the person yes. shooting, oh, yeah, shooting oh, up in Maine, yeah. and he right. killed, I uh, forget, uh, 17, 18 people. I mean, it's yeah, horrible. Horrible. So horrible. what the yeah. Safer Watch well, is, is an app that basically you could put geotags, fences, and it'll send you alerts when things occur in that area. Hmm. Like watching the news kind and of thing. so things like you could put your child's school, uh, police reports it looks at. It looks at, uh, you oh. could actually put your own, you could put alert on there if something happens that you know about. And it'll notify you if it's within that uh, boundaries that you set up. And it could be a location, okay. it could be a school, it could be a, around your house, around your job, you know, whatever. Um, and besides that, you also can look and even show you like all the police reports that are currently happening in your area, like all around, like in Jacksonville, it'll even show you things in Orange Park, it'll show you all of Jacksonville, essentially. Hmm. And okay. again, it's uh, the fact that this kind of thing exists exists right now is kind of like don't know how I feel about that but oh, yeah. if I had a kid in school right now going to school you know uh, I put my grandkids school it was the first thing I added to this list um mm. It's an app and it's a website. Uh, it has Apple and I, um, Android and iOS on it as well. So, and I've been playing with it a little bit. I've only had it for a few days now. Uh, my brother, after hearing about the, th- the thing up in Maine, he's like, "Oh, look at this app!" And so I, you know, I loaded up and I have it up there and I have it set to shoot me alerts if something happens. So, mm. Mm. wow. Do you know? Uh, like, like first of all, I'm guessing. I'm going to guess. Is the app free? Is it something you have to pay for, or is it's it free? free? Is yeah, it free? free. I, I, would, I would hope so. I would expect. And do you know who? Is it like government sanctioned or is you know, it just some independent developer has done it? I mean, I, I wonder how integrated this is into, okay. I think, I'm guessing. It seems like, yeah. but they said like the one in Jacksonville, I just did it for my you know Jacksonville area. I was just where mm-hmm, I live. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's showing all the police reports from the JSO, you know, okay. around here. So you it's, know? it's tapping into public domain information and aggregating Probably. that somehow for, I see. Yeah. Okay. That makes more sense. Yeah. I, I got a question based on something you said at the very beginning mm-hmm. when you were describing the Atmo. You were saying that you could build your little geo fence mm-hmm, and it mm-hmm. would alert you to things that the police had put out, probably scanners or stuff that they collate and grab yeah, somehow, and stuff right. like that, which is great. But you also, I thought I heard you say that you could put your own alert in, like if you saw a crime mm-hmm. happening, it sounded like. Yeah, you can. Really? That concerns me. I, I, I'm with you. <laughs> right. Public sourcing. Right. Yeah. Because how many false flag alerts could be put out by people min- you know, abusing the system or causing permanent distractions to where they sent people scurrying from one thing into another Another situation. Yeah. Be more dangerous. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't dig into that side of it because I'm not sure. I agree with you unless they have, now you do have to, you know, log in, obviously you have to create a login and all that stuff, but that doesn't necessarily stop somebody. Like you said, from if it's a bad actor, they could do it. Exactly. So if somebody wants to game a system, they could probably find a way, but yeah. Yeah. So I don't know, to be honest. And they do Mm. have ones like, and there's different level. Like you just put like an informational one, you know, like, Hey, car accident here. Right. And it'll notify people of that, but they do have like a higher alert one too. And I'm not sure if somebody vets those, uh, I would hope so. Like somebody would, Mm but I'm not sure. I don't know the answer to that. 
It seems like it would be a difficult proposition because of timeliness versus yeah, right. I agree. the vetting. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's also, you could think about things like Waze, W-A-Z-E, the, uh, the, the driving app that I think yeah. Google now owned and maybe they've shut down. I don't know what they did with uh, it. But anyway, still, yeah. Did, yeah, but they had a system where you could notify people of uh, like s- speed traps and object in road and things like that. Mm-hmm. And my understanding with them was it didn't just appear because one person said it. Multiple reports had to come in before it right. verified. So it could be that they're relying upon a preponderance of reports or maybe more than a single anomaly to actually, that would be it one way. Be. I mean, it's yeah. a risk, but it could be a risk versus, yeah. I know yeah. Yeah. Cause I know ways is a thing where it actually looks at your history too. Like, you know, when you reported things, how many other people reported those at the same time and you kind Was of get true? a credibility. Yeah. So oh, when yeah. I do yeah. it, then it's like, Oh, this person's credible because they've always matched up with other people. So, you know, so I don't know. I wonder how if this there's not that. a location feature involved as well, because you know, make sure you're in the place where you say the thing is happening that you're seeing or whatever. Yeah. Like with Waze, you know, they can see your your location because you're driving and that's all tagged. But I'm a little bit concerned about it because in the day of bots and AI, sure, it wouldn't yeah. be hard for somebody to build something that could flood the system with four thousand reports of a uh, yeah. thing gone wrong. And yeah, I, I hope yeah. that they that they have whatever safeguards in place for this thing. Cause it does sound like it's a very useful tool. Yeah. It's a little bit disappointing that in this day and age, we kind of, kind of need an app like this, but it's, you're right, George, it's probably not perfect. And it's probably yeah. can be improved and think it maybe has some exploits, but part of me is like better safe than sorry. And the other side is like, Oh, but it could also be problematic if you trust it too much. The company mm-hmm. that makes it, that's why I was kind of curious, is it government controlled or whatever? But um, it's better to have probably than to not have and to be aware that something could be happening instead of find out later on the news and if you were in danger. So uh, an- another uplifting ending to a <laughs> to, to, to a segment. We had the, we had your heavy movie, George, and we have the, the Safer Watch. Yeah. Still though, Safer Watch, a mo- link down in the description if somebody wants to yeah, check absolutely. it out. So uh, we'll be right back with some games, which I promise won't be depressing. I, I, at least I, I think not. So <laughs> I don't know that you can promise that. Oh, no, no. Oh, jeez. <laughs> well, hey, podcast listener. My name is Vince, and I'm the host of a show called The RR Show. It stands for Reddit Readings. We're going to sit down twice a week, and I'm going to bring you the most entertaining stories from all of the best subreddits that exist online. Things like malicious compliance, petty revenge, hey, lady, I don't work here. Oh, there's so much more. Lots of great stories and things you won't believe. Like the one time uh, this dude was caught in a bathroom with his friend and he was slapping them because that was the only way that he could actually legitimately help them. A mall cop comes in with a taser. Oh, yeah, the rest is history. It's going to be fun. There is, uh, I don't know, I got like 20 seconds left, so I don't got much more time to tell you another story. But just join me on The RR Show. It's from Evergreen Podcast, produced in partnership with Wessler Media. So The RR Show. Wherever you get podcasts, subscribe today. And uh, it's like an adult story time. Let's hang out together. The RR Show. Subscribe today wherever you get your podcasts. Each episode of Gen X Grown Up has show notes loaded with links where you can learn more about our topics. And there's even more to see and hear over at GenXGrownUp.com. 
We have no choice. We must sell 2,000 appliances, microwave ovens, color TVs, and video recorders this weekend. So we're staying open around the clock, 24 hours a day, slashing prices. You'll never make a better deal than right now at Western Appliance TV and Stereo. RCA Color TV, $169. Zenith Color TV with remote control, $247. VHS Movie Machine, $177. RCA, Mitsubishi, Panasonic, or Sony video recorders with wireless remote control, $288. We have no choice. It's a round-the-clock marathon sale going on right now at our three Bay Area superstores. Western Appliance TV and Stereo in San Jose, Santa Clara, and Oakland. This is the main event of the podcast for the three in attendance locally and the millions listening around the world. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time! All right, time to jump on that lighter side of life, as John mentioned in the last <laughs> segment, and talk all about games. So, John, yeah. what game would you like to bring us into the light with today? Uh, well, it's, uh, it's, it is kind of in the dark, but it is lighthearted. So we'll go that way. So, uh, okay. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I got a feeling all three of these are going to have a dark theme, by the way, oh. ladies and gentlemen. Oh. Is that the whole show? Maybe that's the problem with the whole show. I we'll mean, see. It seems like we're going that direction, <laughs> but at least yours is on the lighthearted side. You it said. is lighthearted. So the yeah. side of dark. Go ahead. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, so in the early 80s, uh, Atari put out what has been lauded as the first survival horror game ever called Haunted House on the Atari 2600. And you'll remember it. It was two little eyeballs and navigating a room, picking up pieces of a, an urn, you light matches, and there was a circle around your eyeballs where you could see things. Very simple game. Many people remember it fondly. Other people remember it as being disappointing because it was so rudimentary. But if you got into it, it was a pretty interesting and fun game, especially for the time. And it was a, like a multi-floor house that you ran through to to find these things, then escape. So Atari, uh, this is not part of their recharged line, as we have talked recently about Yars Revenge and things like that. But they also have been taking the approach of kind of taking old franchises and doing new things with them. So they recently took Haunted House through another developer and reimagined for a modern game, a game called, appropriately enough, Haunted House. Now, we had a chance to play this live, <laughs> uh, uh, I think it was a week or two ago on YouTube. Yeah. We streamed this, a very, uh, very successful live stream. A lot of people there to enjoy it. I know a lot of people said that looks great. Uh, what it is this time around, it uses the same basic premise. Overall, you are a character who is running through Old Man Graves' mansion, trying to find the three pieces of this broken urn. And ultimately, I think in this case, you're trying to save Old Man Graves. And the other one, I think he's been long dead. This is what is called a rogue light, L-I-T-E. Now, I'm not an authority, mm -hmm. but I looked it up and I know what that means. And it makes <laughs> sense now that I've played this game. You start this game as an absolute schmo. You have very little health, very little ability, very little, very few slots to put items in. And you're intended to die. You, you kind of run through the, it's like an isometric view and you're walking through this haunted house and there are ghosts around. You have to dodge and you kill them with your flashlight, a la Alan Wake. You know, we kind of mentioned that during the live stream. It's kind of like that. But what happens is you're going to die. You lose everything when you die, except the gems you collect in the game. And you use those to update your character. And then you make another run at it with a little bit more stats, a little bit more health, that kind of thing. And it's in three big chunks where you have to find the three pieces of 
of the urn with three big bosses. And it's really atmospheric, a little bit spooky, but not like I'm afraid spooky, more like, ooh, that's neat and creepy. Look what they did with the skeleton over mm-hmm. here. Look with the, the pumpkin with shining a weird. But there are some jump scares, like monsters leaping out of paintings on the wall and monsters leaping out of suits of armor to grab you that you have to look out for. I had a lot of fun with this. And something I can say about it that I don't say about every game that I review in live stream is that after I got done with the live stream, that wasn't the last time I played it. I fired oh, it up mm. again and again and again. I want to get that last piece. I've got two of them. The last <laughs> boss is a huge pain in the ass. I've been trying and trying to get through it, collecting gems. And so now I'm just like on these, you go on these loot runs where it's like, when I go back to level one and just go to every room, clean up all the gems I could get so I could go upgrade my character some more and take a run at the big boss. That's how a roguelite kind of works. Now, you guys saw me play this. Uh, What was your impression of it? Do you think it was cool? Have you played it yourself? I thought it looked great. I've not played it myself. I thought when looking, I thought it looked like really good, like the the graphics Mm -hmm. and all that stuff. Even though it was like a top down thing, I think they just, they they really, and they made it fun creepy, I guess maybe. Exactly. Fun creepy. It was was fun though. Like, you know, if a kid was playing it, they wouldn't be like terrified. You know, (laughs) that's right. Yeah. Yeah. But it would still be kind of that creepy air that they're trying to get across. So I, I thought just visually, it just looked amazing. Yeah, I mean, I enjoyed the live stream that night. I thought it was fun watching you play it. It was immediately impressed upon me that I knew nothing about the original game, had apparently never played it or seen it. (laughs) Oh, really? Okay. Because the references that you kept pointing out and other people in the chat kept making mentions of, I... I had no frame of reference for any of them. Oh, I see. No, no. But it seemed like a fun game. I don't know if I would have enjoyed the original 2600 game. I'm hoping it's on the GSP so I can get a chance to try it out. I think it is. Yeah, I think it is. Yeah. I mean, it it seems like it'd be a fun franchise. The game you were playing looked fun to me. It looked like something I would want to pick up and play for 10 or 15, maybe 20 minutes at a time and be able to put back down. And you can, right? Because you're, you're going to die the next time you upgrade and you'll be a little better. You get a little bit further, that kind right. of thing. Yeah. Yeah. So I really enjoyed it. I'll put a link down in the show notes for you, Mo, there. You can, uh, you can go check it out yourself. Haunted House, not the original from the 80s, 2023 Haunted House. And it's on pretty much every platform, Switch and Xbox and PlayStation and nice. Steam and where we played it. So how about you, Mo? We've been playing. Oh, well, so three years ago or more, you guys bought <laughs> okay. the Return of Dark Tower. Meanwhile, at the oh. whole <laughs> Yeah. You guys bought the Return of Dark Tower Oh yeah, Kickstarter. I think it was right, or something along those lines. One of those yeah. things, right? And you didn't. I and I was kicking myself <laughs> so much after that. It was like I said, "Oh, I'm going to do it." And I just totally forgot about it, and then you got it, and I played it, and I'm like, "God damn it, this is amazing." <laughs> <laughs> so, so Battles Left in Dark because you really couldn't even buy it at the time. Like, I, there were, I mean, a couple stores only, but like obscenely expensive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Huge markup. Oh, they were all doubling the original cost, yeah, at least minimum. Yeah. So, so I was happy when back last July, a year ago, July, they came out with like they're selling the expansions to it, and mm-hmm. you can get the original game as well, so you could buy both at the same time. Right. They were going to uh, do a new print. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So I jumped all over that sucker, you know, because I'm like, <laughs> I'm not going to make the same mistake twice, and I'm happy to say that I. Got it in like a week and a half ago. It actually came wow. in my door. Ooh. This massive box. <laughs> I was about to say that's gonna I remember when I got mine and it's a huge box. And now this yeah. has now did you buy the first and the second expansion? Yes, I got everything. And, I got the, and whole the dark everything thing. they had, right? I got everything. And the <laughs> mat and the coins. And, yeah. I got the mat, I got all of that but stuff. I was like, I'm not called the mist out again. I'm uh, absolutely yeah. getting everything I can Every get. Matter of uh, fact, I bought one thing twice by accident. <laughs> <laughs> Just to be safe. 
just to be safe. No, I got the whole thing. And um, I even set it up, played it single player, which I was like, holy crap, oh, yeah. you can play by yourself. Yeah, you can. Yeah. yeah. Just to try it out. It was a ton of fun. But of course, John, we got to get together because I want to play with more people because I think it's more mm-hmm. fun. But I'm so happy it finally came in. You know, I feel oh, like I'm no longer cool. left out. <laughs> so I want to know because I, I bought it back when John did mm-hmm. and got the expansion that came with it or that you could order at the time. Mm-hmm. I want to know when you're playing this, because the thing that struck me immediately was how large of a gaming surface you really need <laughs> oh, in order to not table, just have your off. mat and the tower, <laughs> but all the accessories, the cards yeah. and the mm-hmm. tokens and everything else with it. Did you prepare a space for it because you knew this thing was coming now that you had been envious of it? <laughs> no, I actually, I mean, when I played it, I just cleared off my dining room table and just said, okay. I'm playing it here. And it took, a, the, whole took the whole yeah. table. You're right. I mean, it took are like you the, doing the entire like the table. Lazy Susan thing or are you just no, on I the ran flat around my table like an idiot so that's fine <laughs> okay yeah <laughs> but yeah let me tell you it's it's is uh, it was i mean it wasn't cheap obviously because to get this mm, with yeah. all the expansions was probably close mm-hmm. to 300 bucks when it all came yeah, down to it right but yep. let me tell you it's fun i didn't i just played the base game by myself because mm-hmm. i t- re-familiarize it. it i forgot that it does take a while to play it's not a game you, mm-hmm. you play for it's 10 minutes and you're game. done yeah well, well you could die real quick if you're not careful and then it's over that's true you can die <laughs> true. if you'd yeah. like to win it's, it's, yeah, it's gonna like be a to long win. I did also go through and 3D print all the stuff to put the card stands oh, up. I did nice. all that before it even yeah, came down. Fun. So let me tell you, though, I'm just so happy it came in. And it's nice. I can tell you how much fun. And I'm so glad I have it, too, because it's just a it's just a well put together Congrats. game, too. Like everything Welcome, is just awesome. It is. Yeah. Welcome to the club. Yeah, I'm finally there. <laughs> I, I just got mine today, the expansion, the second oh, one that okay. came out. Yeah. I just got that today, Same. yeah. Oh, cool. But so, but George, uh, yours, I am super interested in what you got, because I, yeah. I forgot it came out already, but I want to get this sucker. Well, so came out already is a little bit of a misnomer. When you guys oh. first get to listen to this podcast, it will have come out already. Oh, gotcha, mm-hmm. gotcha. Right now that we're recording, it literally came out this afternoon. No, oh, like hours ago. So like about two hours no or three hours before we decided to oh, record this podcast. Gotcha. That's why we I didn't had a know. different game in the slot i had to switch it out um this <laughs> what we're talking about not oh, to very <laughs> lead too much is alan wake 2 oh, now first one was this so is good. not alan wake the shitty american nightmare sequel although i still enjoyed playing that game this is a proper sequel to the original xbox game of alan wake which was on many platforms after that but it was originally an xbox mm-hmm. exclusive i still have my original like collector's edition set mm-hmm. that like looks like a giant book and has all the dvd and all that shit oh, in right. it and everything oh yeah i love that game it was it was the first game of its type. I waited two and a half years from the time I first heard about that game till it finally came out because it was the first game of its type that was a cinematic gaming experience mm-hmm. that kind of led a revolution in gaming there for quite a while where people would start releasing games in episode format like mm-hmm. you guys have seen with Life mm-hmm. is Strange. Right. And it was constantly being narrated by the lead character that you were playing. Mm -hmm. It had a unique fighting and shooting mechanic instead of worrying about punching and kicking and all that stuff. It was a flashlight. That was your main weapon to dispel the evil spirit. Thought it was so clever. Uh, Alan Wake himself, the character story, he's a horror writer who gets trapped inside of his own story. Mm -hmm. Beautifully crafted. Well done. 
to this day, I still love playing the original game. Alan Wake 2, it took me about 15 minutes for the download to complete. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that, you know, I was like, ooh, that, that's there's some game to this. That's going to be good. There's some substance here, right? <laughs> right? I loaded it, and I was immediately gobstruck. Mm. The very first scene that you see, Alan Wake's doing his little creepy voiceover thing, like you might imagine, <laughs> mm-hmm. right? horror stories are supposed to be, you know, all that, you know, like the pet cemetery, <laughs> you know, <laughs> right. It's that kind of thing. But you see this, this, oh God, I don't want to spoil anything for anybody. This is, so, <laughs> I love this thing so much already. You're looking at a, the head of a deer and then you realize it's, you're only seeing half the head of the deer and it's, it's like submerged halfway in a water. Mm-hmm. And okay. then the, the reflection starts to ripple because the water's being disturbed. And then it slowly morphs you into the scene of the character that you're about to play, which is, I swear to God, I think they body scanned me and put me in the game somehow <laughs> for my own benefit because it is a schlub fat guy oh, who's completely naked. And I mean completely naked. This is not for children, ladies and gentlemen. And he's crawling out of this lake. This You, you know the Alan Wake universe. This disturbingly dark, Freddy Krueger yep. style kind yeah. of lake with woods all around it. He's got dirt and grime all over his body. He's limping. He's obviously been been through some shit whatever has happened to this poor wow. man he has not had a good day and this is the opening this is the opening <laughs> this is within Jeez. the first 30 seconds wow i walked him up onto the shoreline of this dark disgusting lake you start walking through the you know alan wake does kind of have a little bit of a rail system it kind of guides mm-hmm. you guides to where you can go yeah. i'm walking through these woods you see some people that are shining flashlights looking like they're searching for something you think maybe they're searching for you mm-hmm. you're the fat yeah. guy who's oh i'm lost they found me my clothes were ripped off i don't know what to do. <laughs> they all walk away you're trudging through this wilderness up trying to get up this little mountain thing i don't know what happened next all i know is i involuntarily screamed as loud as i could like i was seven years old wow okay i'm not going to tell you any more than that because i really kind of want to stream this thing for a live audience because holy shit is this thing creepy wow it's beautiful artwork is wonderful i've only played three minutes of it that's as much as i can tell you (laughs) sounds like enough already Yeah, no, really. I mean, I remember the first game because John, mm-hmm. the first time I saw this game was at your house. Okay. And we had just, I think we, we've known each other a little bit, but not like super long at that point. Okay. Because the first one came out a long time ago, right? Oh, the, the 360. Yeah, oh, yeah. It's been yeah, over 10 years ago, 15 years ago, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. And um, you were like, you got to see this game. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah. but, and we went to your man cave, you know, you had the lights down and you were like, the, I, mean, I was like, holy crap, the atmosphere on this thing, on the game was, mm-hmm. and the sound. And I was like, yeah, whoa, I, I was getting creeped out just yeah was i wrong I mean, I was you stressed. needed to see it like that right you needed yeah. to see it that way yeah that's how john hooks you by the way into coming <laughs> over to his house all the time he did the same shit with me in 1991 with another world exact same fucking thing and then he went and bought an amiga because he had to right i did like the next day i bought an amiga because i had to play that game yeah i don't think i ever yeah. played a game though that that i enjoyed and stressed me out as much as that game so much simultaneously yeah it brought you into the story immediately, yeah. right? Like the writing of that game may be some of the best writing of any video game I've ever played. Mm-hmm. And I, I've played a lot of games and I know you guys have as well. Story driven mm-hmm. games are things that our generation craves and loves. Yeah. Uh, Resident Evil, Mass Effect, Bioshock is close. I'll give you Bioshock's mm-hmm. writing. Yes. Okay. Stupendous. 
Yep. But I still think Alan Wake is even better. I mean, Alan Wake's storyline. Sure. I'm not talking about the gameplay mm-hmm. part. Yeah. But well, certainly more grounded, right? Much more grounded. Yeah. Woo. Yeah. And this uh, Alan Wake 2, right now, naked fat guy crawling out of a lake has got me hooked. I am set <laughs> for playing this game for a long, long time. Well, definitely stream this sucker because I want to see this. Yeah, me too. Well, you called it, George. All of the games did have a dark tone. You were right. Yeah. We had Haunted House, Dark mm-hmm. Tower, and Alan Wake, dark as hell. So, but yeah. not yeah. as depressing. Dark fun. So, dark fun. I think <laughs> great. <laughs> All right. Stick around. We'll be right back. I'm Ken Harbaugh, host of Warriors in Their Own Words, a podcast that presents the unvarnished, unsanitized truth of what we have asked of those who defend this nation. As a country, we need these stories more than ever. Stories from Americans who have borne the battle, including 30-year-old remastered interviews with veterans from World War I recounting their time in the trenches of Europe, and with veterans from World War II, Korea, Vietnam, and from our most recent conflicts in Iraq, Afghanistan, and other battlefields Americans may never have heard of. Hear their stories by listening to Warriors in Their Own Words wherever you find podcasts. If you're a diehard Gen X grown-up, you can pledge your support by clicking join on YouTube or by becoming a patron at genxgrownup.com slash Patreon. I hate my mother. She's so much prettier than me. Jordash Basics. Mother? Have you ever seen her mother? I have. I'm hoping she'll be divorced before I'm out of school. I found an old picture of her from when she was my age. Was she hot? No. She was kind of short with freckles and a little bit overweight. Kind of like you. Exactly like me. Gentlemen, before we get out of this show, you know we always like to take a few minutes here toward the end to talk about the things we're either looking at right now or plan to see between now and the next time we get together. And I will get the ball rolling. A few things are coming out. Uh, first, there's a new film that's going to be on Hulu November 3rd called Quiz Lady that looks really mm-hmm. interesting to me. Now, this is... Uh, Stars Aquafina, Sandra Oh, and Will Ferrell. Oh, I don't know if you've seen oh, the trailer okay. for this. Okay. The concept is Aquafina plays this character who goes on a quiz show. She finds out she's like watching on TV and answering every question. And they're like, you should go on the show because her mother has either gone missing or is abducted or something. She needs to win a bunch of money on this quiz show to pay off a loan shark to save her mom. And Will oh, wow. Ferrell is the wow. host of the quiz show, as you can imagine. Okay, that, sure. that makes sense. Um, it, it looks looks like something really cool that I want to see. So that's coming up, uh, what do I say, November 3rd on Hulu. Uh, the next one looks really interesting. It's called, a long title, it's called Please Don't Destroy, colon, The Treasure of Foggy Mountain. Now I've okay. learned now that Please Don't Destroy is the name of a comedy troupe, like oh, uh, okay. like like Second City or, right. you know, The, the okay. Groundlings or something. So mm-hmm. it's this comedy troupe did a film called The Treasure of Foggy Mountain. Uh, and basically it follows these three friends who live together and they realize they don't like their current life trajectory. They set off to find a gold treasure rumored to be buried in a nearby mountain. So uh, it's a, it's an adventure comedy, if you will. And then finally, something I was already looking forward to. I kind of cheated last time we spoke, but now I have a date, November 9th. <laughs> 
Berserk Recharged will be released by mm. Atari. So this is the original Stern title that Atari acquired earlier this year, rolling it into one of those recharged games. We talked about it a lot in the last uh, Looking Forward, so I won't retread that ground, but if you enjoyed that old run and gun game and Evil Auto come bouncing in, Intruder Alert, Intruder Alert, all that, I'm excited <laughs> about Berserk Recharged. I'm going to play that as soon as it comes out. Probably going to live stream it too. I would be surprised <laughs> if I didn't live stream right. it. So, Mo, how about you? What do you got coming up? Yeah, so um, there's a, a movie coming out called Villains Incorporated, which I know nothing about, but the plot is grabbing me. Where basically it's like a world of superheroes, and these guys are like henchmen, and their main villain masked head dies, and so they're kind of like oh, lost. Wow. Like, what do we do now? Okay. You know, and <laughs> and one of them decides that they're on their own, going to take over the world. It's a comedy, so I think it looks okay. pretty funny. Right. <laughs> That's coming out November 10th. Also on the 10th, uh, the Marvels, that one that's been coming out, like the, mm-hmm. it's, it's a long time in the making. I've heard that it's really good, but they say the timing of it is terrible because everyone has that superhero fatigue and yeah, all those things. Rough. But they do say that it's, it is one of the better movies out there. So I'll give it a shot. I mean, I'll see it. <laughs> yeah. What I'm most looking forward to do is a documentary. We all like documentaries called mm-hmm. Pencils versus Pixels. Um, and it's basically about the evolution of animation from drawn to computer. I mean, oh, that sounds great. Okay. Yeah. It got a ton of like voice people, actors who were voice acted and stuff in it. Um, I think, is it Ming, Ming Wen? Uh, she was in Boba oh, Fett. Oh, Ming Na Wen? Ming Wen, yes. She's the yeah. narrator of this thing. Okay. Um, and it goes through like the history of it. It's, it, it I, I'll have a link to the trailer of this thing. Um, it okay. goes in the whole, and then talks to these animators about, okay, what do they think of computers? How did it change things? And, mm. and just that whole evolution, that, that whole great. time period, which was, us growing up. I mean, we were, we were right in the middle of all mm-hmm. of that. Yep. Yeah. Um, they talk about how like, you know, they said like, you know, we had a renaissance with the little mermaid and da, 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 and then yeah, did. computers came in. And so that's what I'm looking forward to. All right, George, other than Alan Wake, <laughs> <laughs> I can't see how you could be looking for forward to anything else, but go ahead. No, no. And it's first on my list. More Alan Wake too. Oh, there it is. I'm going to, I'm going to play the crap out of that game uh, for as long as I can stand it, um, depending upon how my vocal cords and underwear hold out uh, it, it <laughs> looks just keep a, a red bull and a spare pair of hanes just keep them handy yeah there you right go. you know it's i'm gonna need more than one from this first three minutes it looked like uh also looking forward to BattleBots the golden bolt tournament which is going on right now the finale is happening on november 9th on discovery channel so okay. this is a series it's like in between their main seasons where they have one night tournaments where like they put together a field of eight robots. The eight robots all have to fight each other. One comes out and gets into this golden bolt tournament where five of those guys go in to compete against the three most recent BattleBots champions. And whoever wins that tournament, the finale on November 9th is the BattleBots golden bolt winner. So you got the giant nut for the main tournament. Now you got the golden bolt for this tournament, (laughs) right? A lot of fun. But the thing I'm looking forward to most as far as media is concerned, and this was granted, I listed this in my bullet points before Alan Wake 2 came out. So please forgive <laughs> okay. me. But it's a worthy successor. Invincible Season 2. Oh, yeah. Oh, finally. Prime, November oh, 3rd, the day after this podcast drops. If you are not watching that series mm. yet, mm-hmm. go back immediately and watch Season 1 as soon as you finish this podcast. Not with your children, no. And then watch the other one. It's brilliant. <laughs> 
brilliant. Good. Yeah, it's, it's I it's, mean, it's the, harsh. <laughs> oh, it's harsh. It's brutal. It's not a kid's cartoon at no, all. I can't wait to see what they do with the second season. Yeah. So, George, yeah. you already know what's going to happen because I know this follows the comics or the graphic novels. Have they completed that? I mean, it's new ground or do you kind of know what's happening? Well, next? so I don't you know but. how these guys do things. They don't always necessarily follow the books. Oh, verbatim. Okay. Yeah. True. So I can't say what's going to happen or not. I have some ideas based mm-hmm. on how the first season went, but okay. I don't even want to really speculate because I'm just looking forward to enjoying the ride. I mean, nice. Mm-hmm. even that first season, yeah, there was a hard left into that wall. Oh my God. That oh, everybody yeah. freaked out about. I was not expecting that. I mean, watch the first episode. You'll then know if the show was for you. I mean, yeah. easily. Yeah. yeah. Watch get to the end. If it doesn't grab you, it's not for you. If it is, you're going to have a great time with it. Yep. There you go. Whew, that's I didn't know. There's so much good stuff coming out. I'm yeah. so that's a great time. Oh my goodness. Okay. Uh, hey, you know we always talk about our patrons. We love our patrons over on Patreon.com/slash Gen X Grown Up. They're all they pledge a monthly amount to support us regularly. And it could be as little as a dollar is all that it takes. And one of the many perks we have of patrons is that during these shows, we pick one Patreon who can ask us any question they want and we'll all three answer it. So Mo, do you have one uh, this time around? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. This is from Stuart, you know, a long time supporter of the show. And his Mm -hmm. question is, what misconception about Gen X gets on your nerves the most? Mm. Mm. Okay. Yeah. That was a good question. Yeah. So uh, let's see who went first last time. I forget, but George, you want to kick us off this one? Uh, yeah, I'll give it a shot. Right. Uh, hmm, misconception that bothers me the most or gets on my nerves the most. I mean, that, that's an unfair question to somebody like me. It's all the things <laughs> get on my nerves. Everything gets <laughs> on George's nerves. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm like Mikey from Life Serial. He'll eat it. He'll eat it. <laughs> um, I guess probably the idea that as a generation, we are all self-centered egotists. Oh, yeah. I've heard that. From time times, to time, yeah. especially from mm-hmm. my children mm-hmm. and from their generation, saying that we're uncaring, that we're racist, that we've all these things that are bad in the world are us. And mm. I'm not saying that those things aren't in the world. I'm just saying that I don't think it's fair that the whole generation gets tagged and labeled with that, because I think Mm -hmm. when we were in our twenties, maybe some of that was true, Mm -hmm. but I think as we've evolved and as we've grown older, I don't think that's true anymore for the large Mm -hmm. portion of us, because just like our parents did before us and their parents before them, Mm -hmm. I think with maturity and age comes wisdom. And I think we've understood now that, okay, time to put away childish things and behave like a responsible human being who loves everyone else. Yeah. Like it. Good one. Okay. All right. John, what do you got first? Um, you know, mine is not as heavy, but it bothers me probably just almost as much. And I don't like the misconception of everything online that they think we grew up in the era of pink and purple and neon and leg warmers. And that's <laughs> that's everything about us. Because my childhood was mauve and wood grain pastel <laughs> colors it was muted right yes at the skating right. rink maybe we had neon and we had some glow sticks <laughs> but that's not we didn't grow up with all that that was the outlier that was that was in that the disco that we're dying from the 70s mm-hmm. still so really when you see those pictures that it's like here's what it looked like no it's it's like our decor we talked about the wood grain i said the slip mm-hmm. covers the the weird colored enamel paint on your, your appliances those were the yeah. colors and the, the 
the the palette of Gen X is not fluorescent. The palette of palette of Gen X is muted and subdued, <laughs> and I, th- I think it matches us because at, as a generation, we're we're not over the top. We're a little more muted and subdued with the stuff that we do, and it probably came out of that. Maybe so. Yeah. What about you, Mo? Good one. All right. Yeah, mine is that um the 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 assumption that we don't like millennials. You know, oh, that we look down yeah. on millennials. We okay. presuppose that we do. Yeah. We presuppose that we look down on them because I mean, because I mean, granted, there's a lot. Of, I know there's a lot of comments that our generation does make about millennials. I, I yeah. totally yeah. I can't deny that. But mm-hmm. I, I definitely don't believe that it's a, a wide brush that we're painting everybody with. You know, I think like most people, it's like, you know, we take it individual by individual and that's how we gauge a person. And, you know, and some of the things that I think some of it I think is even a little guilt on our part because some of the things that from millennials are because the way we raise them. So yeah, it's <laughs> whatever the millennials are, we're the parents. No, without yeah, a doubt. exactly. Yep. Yep. So, yep. but but just uh, the, again, the wide brush that we just look down on millennials is not true. And I just that's one thing that just kind of gets on my nerves. All right, I just am really shocked that the one thing that John didn't bring up in mm-hmm. his thing that you know bothers him about it is us being called boomers by that generation when we're not oh. yet goddamn boomers. We're Generation <laughs> X, but they call us boomers all the time. Okay, boomer. Eh. Well, see, also, Gen X, very easy going. Doesn't bother me that much. It's okay. <laughs> that is going to wrap it up for another episode of the Gen X Grown Up Podcast. Don't worry. We'll be back in two weeks with another one. And next week, though, is our backtrack. That's where we pick a single nostalgic topic and dig in deep. Next week, we are going to be rolling the dice and searching for pieces of pie as we remember <laughs> Trivial Pursuit. Oh, the, my God. Uh, board game that starts family arguments that probably are still unresolved in some families. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, there's plenty to know about Trivial Pursuit, things I didn't know. We always learn in these backtracks. We hope you'll join us and you can learn along with us for that one. Until then, I am John. George, thank you so much for being here, pal. Yes, sir. Mo, you know I appreciate you. Always fun, man. Fourth listener, it's you, though, we all appreciate most. Most of all, and we will talk to you again next time. Bye-bye. See you guys. Take care, everybody. No life, no fun. Don't you know that you're a grown-up? Gen X Grown-Up is a member of the Evergreen Podcast family. Learn more at evergreenpodcasts.com. Unacceptable for grown-ups. Your dinner cannot just be french fries. Basically, life sucks as a grown-up. Just hard to pull out of the slot that I have it in. So she said. See, there's just no point in even talking around you sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> I win. <laughs> if that was your objective, then yes. <laughs> if the objective was to make you frustrated and ticked off, winner. <laughs> oh, now you know what? I'm not going to stop. <laughs> just just no, no, I know that. <laughs> Hello, and welcome to Novel Conversations, a podcast about the world's greatest stories. I'm your host, Frank Lavallo, and for each episode of Novel Conversations, I talk to two readers about one book, and together, we summarize the story for you. We introduce you to the characters, we tell you what happens to them, and we read from the book along the way. So if you love hearing a good story, you're in the right place. Our ninth season is coming this fall. Tune in to hear from some of the all-time great authors, Charles Dickens, Jules Verne, F. Scott Fitzgerald, and more. Subscribe to Novel Conversations wherever you listen to podcasts.